The tour content from now through Lagwa Omer has been generously sponsored by Malki M. Thank you, Malki. June is less than a month away, which means that I'll soon be transitioning into summer writing mode with more Substack articles and fewer recorded shiurim. The bulk of these articles will remain free. However, if you would like to support my Torah and gain access to additional spicy written content, consider becoming a paid subscriber by going to rabbishneweis.substack.com and signing up today. Hello, I'm Rabbi Matt Schneeweiss, and this is the Stoic Jew Podcast, where we explore the relationship between Judaism and Stoicism. Today's reading is from Marcus Aurelius Meditations, Book 9, Chapter 6. And we're going to begin with Ryan Holiday's translation. Well, I don't know if he translated it, but the translation found in the Ryan Holiday book, The Daily Stoic. Aurelius writes, All you need are these. Certainty of judgment in the present moment. Action for the common good in the present moment and an attitude of gratitude in the present moment for anything that comes your way. Now, before we analyze that, I just want to talk about what this episode is going to be about. As you can tell from the title, this is an update on my gratitude journal or a gratitude accountability experiment. Um, I made an episode about this on the day I launched it on, when was that? July, let me check it out here. July 8th, 2021, I made another episode about this on the the 100th day on October 15th, 2021, and I had intended to make an update on the 200th day, but I was on winter vacation, and I had decided to not make any content, and even though it was a struggle to not record an episode, even though I would post it later, I decided, nope, I'm not going to make any content on vacation, and I don't regret that decision. Um... So I figured that since last night I did a uh, I I did my 225th uh, gratitude journal entry that seemed like a nice uh, I don't know if you call it a round number but a nice number to uh, for another update. Okay, so this is going to be kind of a jumble of uh, of thoughts uh, both about the ideas of gratitude and my own experiences with this experiment. So let's start with the ideas. So when I saw that passage from Marcus Aurelius, I was very excited because I am always on the lookout for passages in the writings of the Stoics that talk about gratitude, and they are very, very few and far between. So when I saw this, I thought to myself, excellent, here's one that I've never seen before, and I'm going to make an episode about it. Uh, Only this morning did I realize that this is actually the same excerpt that I started off the gratitude experiment with, uh, and I talked about it then. I don't know what I said about it then. There might be some overlap, but I'm going to share my thoughts about it this morning. So first thing I did this morning was I compared Holiday's translation with a couple other translations. So let me read, let me read all three translations I found again, and I just want to point out um, a few uh, nuances here. So Holiday said, all you need are these certainty of judgment in the present moment, action for the common good in the present moment, and an attitude of gratitude in the present moment for anything that comes your way. The public domain translation, or one of them, uh, the long translation, capital L, Uh, has it slightly differently. Thy present opinion founded on understanding and thy present conduct directed to social good and thy present disposition of contentment with everything that which happens, that is enough. Okay, so uh, whereas Holiday said an attitude of gratitude in the present moment for everything, for anything that comes your way, Long says the present disposition, disposition of contentment with everything which happens. Okay, and I, I think... Maybe I'm I'm nitpicking here, but to me, attitude of gratitude, you know, sounds like something that you kind of summon up, whereas 
present disposition of contentment to me sounds much more like a character trait of being a grateful person. So I, I actually like that translation better. And then Farquharson has what I think is the best translation. He says, sufficient are the present judgment that grasps its object, the present social act, the present disposition well satisfied with all that comes to pass from a cause outside the self. So that translation, instead of saying anything that comes your way or everything which happens, he says, all that comes to pass from a cause outside the self. And then in Farquharson's commentary, he, he explains that what Marcus means is beyond is what is beyond one's own control, what he often calls in the language of his school, the indifferent objects such as pleasure uh, and pain, good and ill repute. So um, I, I like that translation better because it underscores the the foundation of stoicism of of making a distinction between what is within your control and what is without what is outside of your control and saying that you should have an attitude of of uh, what does he call it um satisfaction or gratitude or contentment with everything outside of your control which are these uh these indifference okay so when i was reading that i was thinking to myself okay outside of your things outside of your control where well in judaism we refer to things outside of our control as coming from Hashem, right? We say, everything is in the hands of heaven except for fear of heaven. And fear of heaven in that context, uh, as the Ramam explains in Shemona Prakim, uh, he says, fear of heaven means everything within the realm of your own free will decision making. So everything outside of that is in the hands of heaven, is, uh, is, you know, is from God, whether through Hashgacha Pratis, you know, personal uh, uh, individual providence or through Hashgacha Klelis, the laws of nature. Uh, for an elaboration on that, you can listen to my uh, the first episode of season seven where I talked about my Rosh Hashiva's clarification of that idea. But anyway, the we talk in Judaism a lot more about... Um, well, let me back up again. So I, I was thinking about this in the context of how how difficult it is to find Stoic writings about gratitude, and I've I've wondered why that why that's the case. And the Stoics also have an idea of God and of providence, and they do talk about God and providence, but seemingly not in the context of gratitude. So I was thinking about like what accounts for this, and it's hard for me to say definitively because I don't really know Stoic metaphysics, uh, nor am I interested in it. But just from my own exposure, I think one of the things that accounts for this is Judaism's unique stance on how to relate to God. On the one hand, we maintain that God is, that that God's essence is completely unknowable. Okay, as we are going to read in this week's Parsha in Kisisa, um, uh, the Shabbos, where Moshe Rabbeinu asks Hashem, show me now your glory, which means I want to have knowledge of your essence. And Hashem responds, um, that you cannot see my face, meaning you cannot have knowledge of my essence, for no man can see me and live, meaning that as long as a man is uh, in is a mind operating through a physical body and the senses and the imagination, then our, our ability to have positive knowledge of God's essence is, um, we don't, we have no ability to do that. Uh, we're, it's always going to be distorted. So we have, we can have no, no, uh, uh, grasp of God whatsoever. Um, and in fact, uh, I, I feel like I've quoted this a lot this week, but let me just read one of my favorite, um, uh, quotations to this effect here. Give me one second. I should have looked at this ahead of time. Da, 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 da. Um, we say, yeah, uh, Rabbeinu Bachi ibn Pakuda, one of the first uh, J Jewish philosophers to write a, uh, a book on philosophy, 
says, the ultimate result of your knowledge of God should be the confession and conviction that of his glorious essence, you are completely ignorant. If you form in your mind or imagination a picture or a representation of the creator, strive to investigate his being, and then you will be convinced of his existence and all likenesses of him will be rejected by you so that you will find him through reasoning alone. Um, so, so <laughs> in other words, the only way to relate to God is through reasoning, not through, uh, through imagination, uh, or, or, um, or through any likenesses. And the reason why is because we hold that God is absolutely one, has no parts, is, uh, is absolutely non-physical, has no physical qualities, no emotions, cannot change. You know, so we're talking about a very, very high order here in terms of uh, a God that is, uh, very, very, uh, abstract and removed. Okay. On the other hand. The Torah's approach, which is also followed by Chazal, by the sages, is that the Torah speaks in the language of man, which means that we use anthropomorphisms about God and describe him in physical terms and ascribe emotions to him, not because we believe that God has emotions or physical qualities, but because if we didn't do that, then God would just be a pure abstraction and it would be impossible to relate to him. Um, and therefore, we we begin on a baseline of uh, a very sensory um uh, uh imagination based um uh, uh concept of god that we can we can that our emotions can attach to and we gradually um you know as Rumi Bakia says uh, strip that away to the point where we relate to him through reasoning alone so it's it's, it's a real uh it, it, it's a real tightrope here you know walking on uh, on this tightrope of of acknowledging the reality of God as be, a being who is completely beyond our understanding and has no no qualities, and then speaking of him and relating to him as a being with qualities so that our emotions can relate to him. Now, again, I don't know how, what stance the Stoics take on this, but here's one thing I, I was thinking about. You look at that passage in Marcus Aurelius, and whereas he describes things that happen to you as either things which happen or or as anything that comes your way or as all that comes to pass from a cause outside the self, we relate to it as it's coming from Hashem. And we think of Hashem as a being. And again, even, even relating to God as a being is something that is inaccurate. Like he is not a being, but we choose the metaphor of being because if you don't personify God, so then what ends up happening is you default into this position where, where, you view yourself and human consciousness as the only being in the universe and everything else that happens to you is just a blind force. And you end up basically feeling like you are the center of the universe and you are the center of reality and everything revolves around you. And somehow you are owed this because you are the only being who can, uh, you know, you're the only being in the universe, you know, you and your species are the only being in the universe. So I, I think it's very important. I guess what I'm trying to say is like this, and this is a theory that I'm, I'm, I'm developing um, I'm not absolutely convinced of this yet, is that maybe the reason why the Stoics don't talk about gratitude and we do is because maybe gra the, the feeling of gratitude is really only possible, truly possible from one being to another. And if we don't relate to God as a being, then we won't feel gratitude. We'll just, you know, we might feel contentment with, with, with things that happen to us beyond our control, but to actually feel gratitude, you know, towards uh, uh, a, a, uh, benevolent beneficence that graced us with this goodness, that's only possible if we are emotionally relating to God as a being, you know? So uh, that's just a theory. Let me know what you think about the theory. Okay, that was thought number one. Um, another thought I had 
Oh, you know, let's just, uh, okay, this is already too long of an episode. Let me wrap this up by just talking about my, uh, what has changed or what realizations I've had in, uh, in my gratitude experiment uh, over the last 125 days since the last update. So first, let me just recap how the experiment works. Oh, it's not an experiment anymore. It's a practice now. How my gratitude journal practice works, which is that every day I write an email to my, uh, my, my good friend and Havrusa, Levi, um, and in the email, I write three things that I'm grateful for, that I felt grateful for that day. I write one about one moment of savoring, uh, a time when I consciously enjoyed or, or allowed myself to feel or experience something, and uh, one act of chesed uh, or tzedakah, one act of good that I did for, for someone else or even for myself. Uh, and so I, I, we, I write the email every day and send it to him, and then he does the same for me. Um, he lives in Israel. Uh, I live in the United States, so I tend to get his email in the morning at some point, and he tends to get mine. Uh, I, sorry, I get mine in the middle of the day, sometimes late morning, sometimes early afternoon, and he gets his uh, when he wakes up. And uh, and this has been going on for 225 days. So I was thinking back, what are the... Oh, and also, I think I might have pointed this out in an earlier episode. These roughly correspond to the three things that Marcus Aurelius says, that sufficient are the present judgment that grasps its object so that has to do with with actually you know forming uh, you know allowing yourself to to perceive what is going on at the present moment uh that is, corresponds to savoring uh the present social act that corresponds to an act of kindness and then the present disposition uh of uh, gratitude which corresponds to the gratitude so i think that's an interesting thing so the three changes, I think, or three things I've noticed uh, that have shifted in a positive way uh, over the last um, 125 days is, number one, I find that a lot of days now when I write about gratitude, I am expressing gratitude about the 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 setbacks or the negative things or the obstacles uh, that, uh, for example, just to talk about a recent one, you know, I, I've mentioned, I mentioned, uh, when was it, two days ago or two episodes ago? the that i've been struggling with insomnia and uh and so i have written a lot of entries about the gratitude my gratitude for getting a bad sleep last night you know and i i don't just write it to i don't force it i don't force the gratitude i i'm genuinely expressing gratitude that let's say i got a bad sleep woke up at, at 4 a.m and then couldn't fall asleep and then decided to get out of bed and uh and you know read or like uh you know or learn or something like that so i will write about the gratitude that I have for, for, you know, adding an extra, uh, hour, two hours onto my day and, uh, having a productive morning, or let's say my insomnia makes me really upset. And then that feeling of being upset leads me to write in my journal. And that leads me to an insight that I wouldn't have otherwise gotten. So I'll write gratitude about that. Or I'll write about the fact that I had insomnia and I thought that this was going to ruin my day. And then I get to the end of the day and find that I had a very, very productive and uh, enjoyable day despite my insomnia. So I found that, that, that the gratitude journal has helped me form the disposition of being grateful for, for even the negative things. And again, I, I, this is, you know, <laughs> easier to do with, with minor negative things like insomnia than it is with major uh, negative things. But uh, you got to start somewhere, right? So um, uh, I saw actually a, a quotation from 
Jana Levin, who is a professor of uh, cosmology at Barnard. Uh, I don't know how much I agree with this overall attitude, but uh, I, I, I definitely it definitely resonates with me. She says, I used to resent obstacles along the path, thinking if only that hadn't happened, life would be so good. Then I suddenly realized life is the obstacles. There is no underlying path. Our rule here is to get better at navigating those obstacles. So I certainly agree with her that that you know that there is a. Uh, uh, that that we should have that attitude towards obstacles. I mean, the question though is is, is that going to lead? Is the feeling of is there that there is no path and life is just obstacles? Is that the best mentality to have? That I have to think about a little bit more. But but this this benefit of viewing the obstacle as the path or the obstacle as the way uh, has has I've, I've strengthened that muscle with the gratitude journal. A second uh, difference that I've noticed in the past 125 days is with the savoring thing. You know, I used to have to, that used to be the hardest thing to write about. I used to have to like scramble uh, at the end of the day to think back and think, what did I consciously allow myself to enjoy? But lately I've found that uh, I am proceeding through my day looking for opportunities to savor things. And I think because of my recent um or not so recent, but the the mindfulness practices that I've cultivated uh, since since the uh, you know since September and October, uh, and especially now since uh, the beginning of February, have created a lot more space for allowing myself to savor things and to be present with the enjoyments that I have. Also, I've I think I've expanded the definition of savoring to include other things that are not intrinsically enjoyable. Like uh, earlier this week. Then it was extremely cold. I think it was, um, uh, I think with the wind chill, it was like, I don't know, like three degrees outside when I walked to Yeshiva. Uh, and uh, and so I, uh, when I walked, it was very, very cold. And I wrote about that experience of savoring of, you know, it did make me feel alive. And I was very conscious of the fact that not everyone is able to, this is, I guess, some gratitude as well. Not everyone is able to walk. <laughs> period, right? I, I here I am walking to Yeshiva. Not everyone is able to walk. And uh and the fact that my legs work and that I'm able to move uh to my destination is something that I'm thankful for. And then the savoring was just allowing myself to feel that experience of the cold and uh and be reminded of that and just you know being present with that. So that was a that was a benefit. And then the third benefit, which has been going the entire time, but I was just thinking about this recently, is that this gratitude journal is an opportunity to witness and to be witnessed by a very good friend. And I, I use that term witness because I don't really think, I, I can't think of a better term that like, you know, I, I think that a lot of life is lived uh, with a certain type of of loneliness, not loneliness like, oh, I'm I'm lonely, <laughs> but loneliness in the sense of, you know, you have your own experiences and thoughts that are in your own mind and people can't see that. You know, um, and I think that this is true even with people who have lots and lots of friends or who have a big family um, that like, you know, you can you can, I don't know, like ha be be married with 10 kids and like, you know, uh, you still have your own thoughts and your own feelings. And uh, and it's very easy to just keep those to yourself. And uh, I think that that's why I think that this practice is very good to do with a uh, with a friend or a chavrusa. Because it's a it, it's a relationship that exists in the in the realm of helping each other 
develop as human beings, but not with the complexities of like a, uh, a, a, you know, like a marriage or anything like that, you know, like, like, you know, you, you are friends, you've gone through similar experiences together, you learn together. And, and this is another component of it. And I find that I've gotten so much closer to Levy and he's, he's expressed the same thing in terms of me. And uh, I, I think that like, there are certain things that not just certain things, many things on a day-to-day basis that I'm just not going to necessarily, I wouldn't have necessarily shared were it not for the fact that I was writing this, this gratitude uh, journal, you know, um, from, from like, I don't know, from let's say like personal accomplishments that are too minor to actually like, you know, talk about, (laughs) but I will express gratitude for, or complaints. I mean, you know, complaining is not a, uh, a good behavior, but if I am trying to see the good in the annoying things that happened to me, and I write about that in the gratitude journal and have someone witness it, it just strengthens that, that, uh, that attitude. And again, that's not something that is easy to do in, the course of a day-to-day life of just like expressing those thoughts. And so I think it's been very, very good to be witnessed and to bear witness to, uh, to the, the thoughts and feelings of this nature of, uh, of a very good friend. And that's again, uh, why I think this is just another perk, uh, in addition to all the other benefits, then, uh, this has strengthened my, uh, my friendship with, uh, with Levy. So, okay, this has gone on way too long. I'm really bad. Okay, I got to find a way to, uh, you know, to make shorter episodes and to get back to the original length. But for now, that's it. Okay, that's it for today's episode. If you've gained from what you've learned here today, please consider contributing to my Patreon at www.patreon.com slash Rabbi Schneeweiss. Alternatively, if you would like to make a direct contribution to the Rabbi Schneeweiss Torah Content Fund, my Venmo is at Matt-Schneeweiss, and my Zell and PayPal are mattschneeweiss at gmail.com. Even a small contribution goes a long way to covering the cost of my podcast and will provide me with a financial freedom to produce even more tour content for you. If you would like to sponsor a day's or a week's worth of content, or if you are interested in enlisting my services as a teacher or tutor, you can reach me at rabbishnewis.gmail.com. Thank you to my listeners for listening. Thank you to my readers for reading. And thank you to my supporters for supporting my efforts to make tour ideas available and accessible to everyone.